Mm. Getting right into it, right? Yeah, just get yeah. right into it, baby. So, uh, I actually grew up in homeless shelters. Oh, man, what? Yeah. Like, that's, that's poor. That's poor. It's poor, brother. That's how you do it. So, you go to, whenever there was church events, charity events, you run in there. We need coats. We need shoes. No, we need food. Whatever canned goods that are there, we're taking that. That was you out there trying to get that from. We're doing all that. Oh. Coming back, going to uh, university. Um, whatever they were protesting and whatever they had going on, I've lived it. You know, I've seen it. You know, I've you know as as they're protesting war, I'm like I I just I just came back from over there. Right. I just you know like my buddy just this just happened to so him. Family, we were in lockdown while we were in the prison system. Right, so lockdown you can't have any personal items. So I'm dealing with that. And uh, so I finally get to my phone, you know, so I could run through the messages and see what's going on. Um, I got my, my family that's blowing up my phone. And like, oh, my God, this can't be true, whatever's happening. So I, I, I start calling them back, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? You know, chase after your dreams. You know, don't stop. Um, I know that there's moments and there's trials and tribulations that, that people do go through. But... Um, you still gotta you gotta try to push through that because you never know what's on the other end you know and there's gonna be ups and downs in your road there's gonna be ups and downs in everybody's road you know but if you have an end game and if you stick to you know what you really want to do you're gonna get there you're gonna get there i promise because now you're trying to open up bank accounts now you're trying to file taxes under a name that doesn't exist anymore because you're dead been voided off the system what do you do? I don't know. What do you, what do, you do, brother? You, you start drinking, I guess. That's why you got to read the book. <laughs> All right, people, you know what it is. It's the one and the only the American Cholo podcast broadcasting live and directing from North Hollywood, California. My name is Gail and I am the American Cholo. And today we got a, we got a banger for you people. Our next guest is a best-selling author, combat vet, and former federal law enforcement officer. Please give a warm welcome to Mr. Carmelo Rodriguez. Hey, what's up, everybody? You look, you're looking slick with that hat on, Carmelo, man. Man, <laughs> yeah. how you doing, brother? I appreciate you. I appreciate no, you. No, man, thank, thank you for coming, man. So, like everybody else, man, let's get it in, man. Where were you born and raised? Uh, Bronx, New York. Uh, born in Bronx and then uh, moved to Brooklyn. And then that's where I spend the majority of my days. In, in Brooklyn? Brooklyn, New York. And how, how was Brooklyn for a, for a guy like you out there back in the days, man? Uh, it was... Uh, mm, getting right into it, right? Yeah, just get yeah. right into it, baby. So uh, I actually grew up in homeless shelters. Oh, man, what? Yeah. So the first couple of years was in the homeless shelters. Now, was that just you and your mom, or who was it? Me and my mom's. How old were you? Yeah, I was a kid. A uh, couple years old. So we went from there, and then it was me, my brothers and sisters, homeless shelters. And the uh, homeless shelters, they had rooms, or they like, like I, I imagine it's, almost like a church thing with beds or something. No, 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 no. So when you're a, when you're a single parent, you have uh, give your own like studio room, right? It's like a twin size bed, and then everything's in that little area. Yeah, so you got to figure it out once you once you get your little space. And before you guys went to the homeless shelter, do you, do you still remember as a kid what was going on? Were you like living in an apartment or something? A uh, little bit here and there, uh, living with family, and then the homeless shelters all the way until uh, we moved in with family in uh, Pennsylvania for a little bit, then back to New York. And how, old, how old were you when you first started going to the shelters, do you, do you think or remember? two three years old we kid yeah we were kids we were all kids so it was uh at the time the first time or as as far back as i remember it was me my brother and one of my sisters you know now there's seven of us oh, yeah. but at the time it was just us three trying to wing it now as a kid did you even know like this is different because you know now you can say man you're in a homeless shelter but as a kid did you know that this was something that most people weren't really doing no um so in new york their um their homeless programs they're actually fairly good so um we had our our little space or whatever it was 
and then they had like little daycares while the uh the adults kind of like did whatever they had to do in order to to get out of the situations that they were in right so to find work or get into the process of finding work right yes yes so i i mean would is it fair to say you were you or your family were part of the success stories of homeless shelters and programs like that no no okay why do you say no um because they take care of you they they uh while they help you they also hinder you because you get so used to being taken care of by the system whatever the system is and uh you get used to it so you feel like there's nothing else you know this is this is where i'm comfortable this is what i want to do and then that's it so it wasn't until um we had family that pulled us in out of that situation that things had to progress started changing now how long ago how long how long into that process did you guys finally start or your parents start going to get help like that from the family members how many years uh it took a couple years but um you know the uh the family got right and then um things started moving towards progression say when i was like 10 maybe 11 years oh, old wow, that's a long time you're going out of you know kind yeah. of, you were kind of like in the system i guess let's say because you were in the yeah system, right oh, yeah oh yeah now throughout the time that you're a kid going through this are you you know doing good in school are you being a knucklehead because a lot of kids in that in that kind of uh, environment end up kind of rebelling because just where they're at well um it goes one of two ways either you're gonna rebel or you're gonna be shy I was a shy kid. I was I was very shy and everything was about my uh my siblings. You know, because I'm the oldest and I see I see whatever's going on and I don't want them to endure that kind of stuff. So right. as the uh the oldest kid, you take that in and you kind of shield them the best way you can. Now, where was father in this whole situation? You still looking for the guy? <laughs> no, 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 no. So, um you know, he had his own things uh, that he was dealing with on his end. And, um, you know, he did his best, I would say, um, to try to figure it out as a kid. Because, you know, um, the biggest issue was my, uh, my parents were very young. Very young. My mother, she had me when she was, I think, 14 years old. Okay. So she got pregnant when she was 13. And my father is just two years older than her. So imagine them trying to figure that out throughout, you know, throughout their days. And they don't know. It was just like the same goes, babies having babies. Babies having babies. And that's kind of just the way that it was. So, you know, over the years, um, you know, I would say he definitely learned uh, how to mature and uh, how to be a... Uh, I don't even know if I would say a, a father, but more of a older brother, okay, yeah. I, I can <laughs> you know, because we were, you know, as, as the oldest child, I was, I was growing up with them. Yeah, of course. You know, and that's just the way that it was. But now he, I guess, uh, I guess you guys are on speaking basis now <sighs> or just, at least you're not screaming at the guy. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're on, um, we're on talking terms. Um, uh he's been he's been in and out of uh incarceration right. so we're on talking terms okay, okay fair enough yeah so then you go to where did you say you went to with your family uh we ended up going to uh to pennsylvania so how's how's the 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 change from going to somewhere like new york or brooklyn out to pennsylvania um we were living with family at the time until we ended up, uh, I think we got into like section eight or something like that. Right. So we were living, uh, in section eight, um, the family or, uh, my father, he ended up, uh, getting employment. So then he was just working, you know, working until, you know, from sunrise to sunset, he was just putting in hours, you know, that's, that's just what he did. You know, all the way until he felt like whatever he was doing just wasn't enough. So then, uh, you know, he, he stepped out 
and you know, went into the streets and got caught up. Or make some money out there. That's the way it is. Wow. So now that, let's say, you're uh, Pennsylvania, you start going to school out there. Did you end up graduating out there in Pennsylvania, or did you go, end up going back to the New York part of town? I ended up getting my GED. So, um, you know, growing up in that kind of situation, it's everything survival. You know, nothing is, uh, there's, there's no game there. You know, um, it's all about, yeah, what are we going to eat today? You know, um, how are we going to get these diapers? You know, stuff like that. So growing up with that, in that lifestyle, you, you appreciate as much as you possibly can. And you learn what's important. You know, and at the time it was, everything was about my siblings. So whether or not um, my parents were involved, everything was all about my siblings. So I remember a time specifically that um, I ran into, ran in and out of a corner store. Uh, they call them bodegas over right. there where we're at, right? So ran in or, and, and I, I almost feel in my heart that, um, that the guy, um, at the register, no, he knew what was up. Walked in the store, and I'm like, "All right, I'm doing this." Walked in the store, and I'm like, "I gotta grab these diapers," and I ain't got no money. So, run in, grab the diapers, run out the back door, and then play this game. Is he is he gonna come after me? Where's the cops? You know, and that was a routine. You know, so you know you pick your battles, and learn to survive now how do you think you stayed away from the actual let's say criminal element of all that and you know you may have probably dabbled with it but a lot of kids in your situation they turn to like street gangs very easily yeah um once again um because it was i was so focused on my brothers and sisters that there was no it was not really an option for me because who's going to watch the kids if I'm not there? And, you know, um, I think around that time, it, they were serving like uh, breakfast at school, right? For, for the kids that, uh, that didn't have money, you know, that, were, that were literally living in the ghettos or dealing with whatever they were dealing with. So I would go to breakfast and I would shove food in my pockets and come home. And that was my life. Uh, that's, that's, I mean, that's like, that's, that's poor. That's poor. It's poor, brother. That's how you do it. So you go to, whenever there was church events, charity events, you run in there. We need coats. We need shoes. You know, we need food. Whatever canned goods that are there, we're taking that. That was you out there trying to get that from. We're doing all that. Wow. Now, do you look back now and, and, and realize what a, I mean, not I don't, it's not burden is not the word but what 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 uh like strain and stress you had as a child doing that because most kids ain't they're not responsible like that they don't see that stress um i think at this point i don't see it either i don't because it builds a resilience and it builds a character you know and it, it shows you what's important to you you know like everything wasn't glam for me um, everything wasn't fame. Everything wasn't like, I really, uh, TV wasn't a thing. Video games wasn't a thing, you know, uh, reading books from the library cause they were free. That was a thing. Um, learning to play board games whenever they were accessible. That was a thing, you know? And then just, um, going back to, to my siblings and talking about how their day was because that's the only thing that we had. So conversation became a thing. A lot of communication in your house. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how you, you, you learn to get by. And now let's go to the part where uh, you started dabbling in, in before you went to the military. What, what was the thing that, that kind of guided you towards the military? Um, so I met uh, during, my, during my time with uh, trying to figure out my way, um, trying to survive. Um, there was a, a guy, his name is John. I always give him a shout out with every interview because um, he was like my a random angel that just came through and said, hey, let, let me help you for a second. Yeah, mentor. Yeah. And um, he just got out of lockup, you know? So 
he dealt with his own situations coming up. Um, he was, uh, he was an orphan. So he had his own situation that he was living with and, uh, he came in and he was like, Hey, you know, let me help you out. And me being a, me being a hard ass that I, that I was at the time, I was like, no way. Like you're a weirdo. Like who the hell are you? Like, you're just going to come in and try to, you know, and he's like, I know your family, you know, let me see if I can, if I can do something to help you out. And I'm like, no. So he definitely had to build that trust over time. And then it turned into, um, now he wanted me to go to work with him. And his thing was, I'm just going to get another job and I'm going to, um, I'm going to teach you how to do it the right way. You know, if you want to, if you want to learn how to take care of your family, let me teach you the right way. You know, you're a young kid. I don't want you to end up in this, this weird place or whatever. So let me at least you know, do what I can. And, you know, for the, the little bit of time that, um, that I was around with him or whatever it was, he, I definitely learned a lot, you know, and he was a little bit older than me. But, you know, he was as mature and wise as, as anybody I need in my life. Where, where exactly did you meet John at? Um, that was in Pennsylvania. Okay. That was in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, um, so that ended up happening. And then, um, so then he took me to back in the day when they had the, the, um, the pizzerias that used to do their own deliveries. Mm -hmm. Right. He was he ended up picking up uh, the secondary job as a delivery guy. And he's like, this is how we're going to do it. This is how you're going to learn how to do it. And, you know, whatever tips that come in, that'll be yours. Oh, and he was like, I, I make wages this way. And you'll you'll take in the tips until, you know, you can learn how to drive and you can do this yourself. Right. So, you know, and it was great. And, and um, we definitely built a bond that way. And that was also like a like a brotherhood. You know, and you know, I'm forever grateful for that. Sure, that that small, uh, just a uh, step he did. And I mean, you think pizza delivery? What's the big deal? But yeah, you know, when you're when you're in those kind of circumstances, anything, anything goes a long way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, especially if you're not eating. <sighs> yeah. So now you're doing this. Where does the uh, the thought of uh, the military come from? Um, it was from his family. So he would talk, he would, um, bring up like his little stories here and there. Um, he did ended up uh, getting adopted after some time, uh, by a military family, you know? So he would talk about that. So when I felt like, you know, I was old enough or whatever it was, I felt that that was my way out. And I used that completely. So I got my GD. Um, and I always say that that was um, my biggest achievement, literally my biggest, because that is what got the ball rolling. You know, so I got my GED and then uh, I took my little paperwork over to the, the recruiting office and I was like, hey, um, I don't care what job I get. I don't care, you know, what I'm doing. I just need to get out of here. And they were like, we can do that. <laughs> Let's go. That's exactly what they did. How old are you at the time? Uh, 18. 18. And then by the time that I left, I was 19. And you went to the U.S. Army? I went to the Army. Okay, so talk to me about the Army. How was it for you? <laughs> it, was, it, was, uh, it was good. Um, no, 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 no. It was, it was great. Okay. You know? So going in, I really didn't know what to expect. You know, I was just like, this is my way out and I'm going to take full advantage of it. You know, so I, um, I went through whatever training that they did have going on. There was definitely obstacles that challenged me way beyond anything that I ever, um, you know, came across. And, you know, I, I took up on the challenge and I never gave up, you know, even, even at the points that they were like, you, you don't, you don't have it. You don't have what it takes. You know, and it was, it almost felt like they were testing me, you know, they wanted me, they wanted to see that dog. And remember, like I said earlier, I was, I was still a little shy. They didn't want that. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a combat job. They want, they want aggression. They want discipline, but they want a monster, you know? 
So they're trying to build you into this, this person, you know, but if you're shy and timid, you're not, you're not going to be there. So they, they build and they build until they feel like, okay, we're here. Let's see what you can do. And that's exactly what they did. And it was great. Yeah. Now, when, um, when you say they break you down, like, is it in a physical sense? Is it in an emotional sense? What do they do it? Um, I would say it's a, it's a little bit of both, you know? So they're, they're pushing your body as much as they're pushing your mind, you know? So I'm this, I'm this little kid, you know, I'm scrawny. I think I came in like 125 pounds or something like that. Yeah. And uh, I'm this, I'm this little guy. And now they're giving me, um, uh, rucksacks. It's like a book bag filled with stuff or military equipment and stuff. And they're like, Hey, now we're going to go ruck march from this point to that point. And I'm like, no way, man. I can't carry this. And like, oh, you're quitting now already? You know, and I'm like, oh, man. So now I'm moving around doing that. And they're like, okay, now we got all of this military drills and all of this stuff. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing? And they're like, oh, you want to you, you wanna quit? Is this what you want? No, not even close. You know, all the way until I was like, okay, I'm loving this. All right. You know, I can do this. I can, I can push through this, put on a little bit of weight. And I was like, all right, what next? Your confidence started going up. And up. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was great. So uh, where did you deploy to? Um, so I ended up going um, after my job or after my, uh, my training, I ended up going uh, to upstate New York. And then a few months later, I was, I was in Iraq. Oh, you, what years were you in Iraq? I was in from uh, 06 to the end of 07. Okay. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about Iraq. How was, how was it where you were at? Was it like a lot of combat? Was it a little bit or were you off to the sides? There was combat. There was, a, it was, it was, it was interesting, you know, and, uh, war breaks people, you know? So, um, if you don't, if you don't have the mindset that like sometimes shit happens and, you know, just try to understand that, um, you know, war is war, you know, and, you know, take it a day at a time at, you're literally going to take it a day at a time. And um, you got to trust the people that you're with. Because if you're a loner, you won't survive there. And, you know, if you don't trust the person to the left and your right, you're not going to survive there. Well, that's exactly why the military is also trying to get to your breaking point, right? Because they want to see how you're going to act while you're here and on land. Now let's go over here where your breaking point costs your life if you don't know what you're doing. Not even. Um, I would say they're forcing you to, um, to build that brotherhood, Okay, you know, because they're pushing you way beyond the point of you being a loner. They're pushing you to the point that I, I can't be a loner. I, I, you know, I need help. So now you're looking to the left and to the right. And that person is in the same situation, but together, together, you guys are stronger. Is, push. There, is there any such thing as like uh, race in the military or is it, you know, like out here, you know, a lot of times it's kind of racial, not, not in, a, in a bad sense saying, but, you know, people kind of hang with their own over there. Is it more like we're just one unit? It is what it is. Nobody really cares um, in the military or in the army. Right. Oh, there's yeah. there's one race. You're green. Right. You're military. You're the army. Right. So. And, and, you know, every, uh, every military or every department has their own little, little thing, little rivalry or whatever, right. but we're all in the, uh, in the U S military, right? The army's green, you know, the air force is blue, so on and so forth. Right. So we're an army. We're green. We bleed green. Yeah. yeah? USA all the way. That's right. Man. That's it. So when you, uh, when you came back from from combat did you come back a different person i think um anybody that's seen their fair share of 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 combat of war you know would come back a little bit more uh numb to uh to society so will i say that absolutely um you know, there was, there was definitely a lot of loss, 
uh, amongst all of us, you know? So yeah, I would say, I would say I came back uh, just a little, a little bit more uh, edgy. Um, that was way more mature, you know, way more experienced. So coming back, going to a uh, university, um, whatever they were protesting and whatever they had going on, I've lived it, you know, I've seen it, you know, I've, you know, as, as they're protesting war, I'm like, I, I just, I just came back from over there. Right. I just, you know, like my buddy just, this just happened to him. And this just happened to my buddy that I call my brother, you know, and now you, I see you guys protesting this and it was, it was a little sickening, oh, but yeah. at the How same time, kind of yeah, stuff. it was a little sickening, but at the same time, you got to have that mindset that, um, sometimes people are just closed off or sometimes you know people are misinformed so you got to take that to the to the jaw sometimes right yeah now do you think uh a little bit off of that topic but the war topic do you think it was a a mistake the way we pulled out of uh iraq when we did as fast as we did i don't know i don't you know i can i can speak from my own experience and you know why did we stay there um, for 15 months or 16 months at a time, you know, when the uh, initial deployment was only a year long, you know, and they just kept extending. So stuff like that um, messes, messes up uh, combat, uh, combat soldiers, you know what I mean? Because you're going to spend about 10 months in actual war. Right. If for a 12 month deployment, you're going to spend about 10 months there and then you're dealing with packing, unpacking and dealing with whatever uh, admin situations. Right. Logistics. Yeah. So now add a couple of more months to that, knowing that they're supposed to be coming home. And then you know, days before or maybe a week before they say, hey, we're going to add another month. And then, hey, we're going to add a few more weeks. And then before you know it, you're like, forget this. I'm never going home. So think about what it does to, to the psyche of a man that's spending day in and day out getting shot at and blown up. And you don't know if that extra week is going to be what's going to cost your life. Not even. No, the next hour. Right. I mean, we were, taking, we were taking mortar rounds to our... Um, wherever we would sleep, we were taking bombs and it was just like, we would cover ourselves in our vest and, you know, literally prayed, you know, said bye to the family. Hey, if you don't see me tomorrow, you know why. You ever see anybody like just plain simply just be like, I don't want any part of this. Like, yes. And what do they do those guys? I don't know. You just know you want to see him again and that was it. And that was kind of just it. And, you know, you I talk about it amongst yourselves or. So yeah, he's a punk or just, you guys would just keep going with it. No, not at all. I mean, um, every, every person has their breaking points, right? you know, so I don't judge anybody and I, I kind of just stuck with that. So I stick to my own opinions and like I said, everybody has their breaking points. And for me, because of the life that I lived, longevity wasn't, wasn't a problem for me. Yeah, you had something that most of them didn't have was that struggle as a young person. Yeah. And that made you much tougher than most. Yeah. It was just, uh, I just learned how to just uh, take it a day at a time, honestly. Uh, so you get out of the military. How many years was it total in the military? Uh, about five. Okay. You did five years. They tried to give you a bonus to stay? I did stay. I, I actually enlisted while I was um, in Iraq. And then I got injured. So then I was medically discharged. Okay. Can you talk about what happened to you? Um, I was blown up. Yeah. So, um, like I said, there was a lot of soldiers that were either blown up, shot at, shot at whatever, so on and so forth. Um, but after, after, you know, enduring so much of that, you know, it, it wears down on your body. Okay. So I ended up getting, you know, dealing with whatever situations on that end which led me to a, a medical retirement. And that hurt so bad because at that point I was, 
I was at the high in, in my career in the military. I was ready to um to take another deployment, and they said no way. Yeah. So then you came home, and did you know what you were gonna do? No, I ended up uh, getting picked up in a university, and like I said, um, it didn't go very well for me because uh, the mindset at the time and the experience you know that I had compared to the the kids <laughs> that I was in the university with, right? It just didn't it it didn't blend for me. So. Um, I did a little bit of contracting, military contracting, and then I decided to um, go back to school. Okay. So I found a school that was uh, military friendly, which was predominantly um, combat veterans. Really? So conversation and camaraderie, and then just mere understanding of how you doing. It goes a long way. It does. I bet. So what were you studying there at that school? Um, initially, I had no idea. So I was just uh, general education. And then talking to one of my buddies, he said, hey, maybe you should get into a, a law enforcement or criminal justice. Um, it might benefit you or it might suit you very well. And I'm like, I don't know. So I ended up taking one or two classes. I enjoyed it. And then I got my, my bachelor's degree in, in criminal justice. Okay. And then eventually you did kind of go to the law enforcement area, right? Can you yes. Talk a little bit about that, how you got into that. So um, after, after I got my bachelor's degree, I decided to, uh, to go shop around with it. So I ended up working in a, a federal prison system. And that was, that was interesting. That was very interesting. How many years were you there? Uh, a few years. Okay. Now, how, how does someone go about getting that job and what kind of training is it before you actually get on and step onto it? Was it a prison yard you guys went to? Yeah. Okay. So how do you go about getting that job and then the training for it? So um, go to USA Jobs. You, know, you fill out your applications and some of the stuff that they, that they ask or that, that, they, that they look for is, uh, is military experience. You know, so that's, that's one of the things that they, that they really do seek. Um, but that, that, that won't disqualify you if you want to come in just as a, a regular person trying to, trying to get into the prison system. Right. Um, but they want the bachelor's degree and they want uh, the military experience and they want the uh, uh, courageousness. They want somebody with courage, you know, because when, God forbid, anything is to happen, it's it's you and a, and another officer, or it's you and you know maybe you. Now, how was it for you once you went in there? Because you're, I mean, does it get you got to get used to it, like you telling men what to do and having hey you got to go here, you got to go there? Because I don't know if you were you know used to doing that. Maybe in the military you were, but how how do how did you become like make that normal part of your life going there and working? So um, when I when I got my introduction into the into the prison system, it was actually very interesting. The um, the veteran community is really big; it's really popular. Um, so you have a lot of a lot of army guys, a lot of marines that are there. So they would they would ask you right from the door, "Hey, what did you do before this?" You know, so they they know where your head is at. With, okay, you know what your experience is. So they bring you in that way. But that's that's not the only thing. You know, there's you know, you're dealing with men. You're yeah, dealing absolutely. with men doing some real time and you're dealing with men that are doing you know, multiple life sentences. So when you go into that prison system, everything is respect. Everything is respect, you know? So you gotta you have to understand that. And you have to be able to talk to talk to men like men, sure. you know, that whole bossing and bullying, you know, they'll let you know right from the door. The only reason that you're leaving is because we're letting you, you know, and, and what are you going to tell him then? Yeah, pretty much, you know, pretty much. You got a guy in there doing, you know, double life and yes. he's having a bad day and you're, you seem to be the one who wants to scream at him. He's like, all right, well, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then they'll tell you right there today, today, I, I want this work today. I want some work and I'm going to give you hell and you better call your friends. Because this is going to get really, really interesting for you. Oh, yeah. Now, 
what what is something that stood out to you that uh really surprised you about you know just the federal prison system if anything i would say um there were so many familiar faces yeah and and when i say that it's it was more over on the side of there's a lot of my family members that have been in and out of the prison system, so on and so forth. Like I, like I said um, previously, my father, you know, he's in there as well. So having conversations with these men and just talking it out and you're like, man, I was, I was where you're at. You know, the only difference is I went left and you went right. right. When, when the time came, you know, I decided this was more important than that. And that's what made the biggest difference. You know, so, and you, you sit down with these people and they're, they're regular people, you know, they just, you know, came across a situation that, you know, didn't go so well. But you also get the ones that are, you know, this is, this is their life and they love it. Yeah. 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 Those, those guys you got to watch out for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how many years you do, uh, you do the correction thing in the, in the feds? I did it. I did it for a few years. I did it for a couple of years and then, um. I felt like it was it was time for me to go. Um, was it any a specific incident, or you just kind of just burned out on, on it? No, no, it was just it was just my time to go, and that that was kind of just it. Um, that's when I decided to guess, like, uh, take on the whole writing thing and see where that went. Okay, so talk to us about that. How, how did that? How did you get inspired to the to start writing? <laughs> so. Um, Back in 2017, I was mistakenly declared uh, deceased by the, uh, by the government. How does that happen? I have no idea. So you walk into a store or something? And- no. So um, my family, we were in lockdown while we were in the prison system, right? So lockdown, you can't have any personal items. So I'm dealing with that. And uh, I finally get to my phone, you know, so I could run through the messages and see what's going on. Um, I got my my family that's blowing up my phone and like, oh, my God, this can't be true. Whatever's happening. So I I start calling them back and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, what the heck? And they're like, hey, I just got a I got a letter from this agency that's saying that you died. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they're like, and we, we know you work in, the, in the, the prison system. So we're like, what is going on? And we were trying to, all of my family was trying to contact me. And they're like, hey, we got notice, you know, that, that you were deceased. So, yeah, imagine, imagine. So then I ended up, you know, getting home. And I got, I got a letter in the mail that I was deceased. deceased as well. And I'm like, whoa, 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 right? But it was, what was wild was... That letter came with a funeral, uh, funeral allowance check. Yeah. It's- and I was like, okay, this is interesting. So now I'm calling people asking what's going on. And they're like, hey, you got to come to uh, the regional office so we can situate this. A few days later, I, a few days later, I got a, uh, a final pension check saying all, all of my benefits are going to be cut off. And this is the last check that you will be receiving. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm still working. You know, I'm, I'm literally still, I'm, I'm still alive. <laughs> yo, I'm still working. My, my taxes are being taken out. Like I'm, I'm literally dealing with all of this stuff right now, you know? And, you know, so then I ended up going to the office and they tried to uh, fix the situation, but they can only do it for their agency, you know? And what was difficult was they started the process. So now this ball is rolling. So now one agency turned into three, turned into five, turned into every agency that needs to know that you are deceased, you're now gone. They believe you're dead. You're now gone. Yeah. So now try to fight that. Oh my God. It's next to the bureaucracy. (laughs) (laughs) Try to fight that. So um, what I ended up doing, I couldn't get any help. And I was reaching out to attorney after attorney you know, just to try to get this situated and everybody, you know, they, they share their sympathy, but they were like, we can't, like, we can't get involved in this. Like, we don't even know how to help you. I would have start. Yeah. So,
so I created a YouTube channel and I was like, I am gonna, I'm gonna turn this into a vlog and I'm going to show everybody my day by day dealing with this because this is, this is something that's live and happening right now. Very unique. Right. So I did that. And then, uh, a news station picked it up. They said, Hey, is this real or just like a conspiracy theory kind of thing? And I'm like, this is real. And I have all of the documents and they were like, no way. So they came to my house and we had our, our little uh, interview before I know it. I'm on, I'm on national news and my YouTube channel is on national news. And then that turned into when are you writing the book? You know? Uh, okay. Yeah. So now I'm here like, okay, um, how do I do this? You know, like I, this, this was something that, that never came across my mind. And now I'm sitting here with this opportunity. What am I going to do with it? Now, do I, do I let this die out or do I turn this into, into a real story and see where it goes and turn it into a positive? That's exactly what I did. That's a great story. Now, are you, are you alive right now or are you still dead, man? I'm alive. Okay. just got to check. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, where, so where do you start with that? Um, Don't tell me, go read the book, yo, because then... <laughs> <laughs> shameless plug real quick. Huh? <laughs> yeah, so um, like I said, like I said, um, it, was a lot of, it was a lot of baby steps because nobody, nobody was hearing me out. So it wasn't until National News picked it up, then... Then I got uh, senators reaching out to me. Okay, How yeah. can we help you? The big wigs. Now we got the big dogs. Yes. Let's fix this right now. You know, now um, at the time I was in a, a master's program. Now the, um, the chair of the master's program wants to, assist, uh, wants to assist in any way possible. You know? So now, now I'm sitting on a, on a small scholarship and I'm like, thank you. You know? <laughs> And, you know, like you turn, you turn every, every negative into a positive and just kind of run with it. And that's exactly what I did. Oh, man. So uh, the book, were you just sitting there like looking at a piece of paper for two hours or when did you actually say, all right, here we go. How did you actually start writing it? So um, while I was vlogging, I was actually journaling because I wanted people to see whatever was fun and whatever was interesting and, you know, just little points that I was hitting on, uh, on the camera. Right. But what they didn't know was what I was actually writing down and how I was you know, going through my depression, how I was going through my anxiety, how I was practically drinking myself to sleep every night because how do you, how do you, how do you prepare for something like that? Let's really think about it. Do you have any money saved up? I mean, right. no, for would real. you? I mean, like, okay, and then let's go even deeper. Okay, you have a bank account, but they close it because you're dead now. Oh, you can't. Where's your money? Do you have do you have money in your in your sock drawer? I have enough money. In your do, you, sock do you? Yeah. Wow, a couple goodness. of hundred. How is that going to get you? How how are you going to live off of a couple of hundred? And everybody just telling you, sorry, we can't help you. Sorry, yeah. we can't help you. But you, but you still have to come to work, right? Yeah, you still got to pay the bills. You can't you just still, tell me, hey, I'm dead. I'm going to live here for free. But where's that money going? Yeah, it's getting, they're still taxing your money. They're still going to the bank. It's still, oh my God. It's just one, yeah. one, when it rains, it pours. And then, and then it, it, it goes even deeper, right? So you have an ID, right? You have a driver's license, right? Yes. Right? Are you going to be able to drive? When, when the police officers run your ID, God forbid you, you, do, you anything, do an illegal yeah. turn, anything like that. They run your stuff. What now? You're, you're, you're deceased. You're dead. And then at the time, what was I? I was, I was law enforcement, right? So you're impersonating a police officer? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, because you're saying that law enforcement guy, he's not alive anymore. You see how deep this goes? And it, it, can, go even, it can go way deeper, you know? So I'm just, I'm just touching on a few points that really you know, catches people's like attention. Attention coming in, all money that you've already been accustomed to, everything. Where does it go? Yeah, it just stops. But they're taking the taxes. But where does it go? Not to you, that's for sure. Not to you. You don't have no bank accounts, right? And then if you try to open up a bank account and they try to run your social, 
what do you got? You don't exist. You got nothing, brother. So now you got now you got fraudulent cases against you, because now you're trying to open up bank accounts. Now you're trying to file taxes under a name that doesn't exist anymore because you're dead. Been voided off the system. What do you do? I don't know. What do you what do you do, brother? You, you start drinking, I guess. That's why you gotta read the book. You like that? You like that? Oh man. Now there's another well, did they ever find out? Just give me a yes or no. They can read the book, but did they ever find out who was it was it was the next girlfriend that just deleted you that she worked up in the Fed somewhere? No. Okay, okay. No, no, no. Um I would I would say that it definitely gets very, very interesting. Really? Yeah. And you know, I, I'm gonna say this. I leave every chapter on a cliffhanger. So if you start reading it, you you're gone for a day. Maybe two. Okay. Okay. I believe it. I yeah. believe it. Now, the hardest language. Yes. Tell me what that book is about, Carmelo. So um after after I went through um, the master's program, I decided to, you know, um, um, get into my continuing education and see where where that led me. And um, I decided, hey, PhD, that's what I want to do. That's where I want to stop. So, in order for you to uh, to move into your PhD program, you have to do extra classes so you can gain the credits in order to to get to that point you know so now it's postgraduate stuff so then it was where do i go now my gpa was amazing so that was that was the easy option for me um harvard business school did it ran through it and then i was like uh they were like what do you want to do um and i got into negotiations right so now i'm in business and then now um my continuing pro my continuing education programs is in negotiations. So, you know, it's kind of just bringing it all around, but then there was, um, in doing so now you got to do little projects here and there. So, you know, learning the ways of the trade and then, uh, with my law enforcement background, it turned into, let's see how we can create this, uh, this document about um, negotiations, you know, and how to do it on a, on a crisis side of things, you know? And I wrote that during the time of, of COVID, I believe. And that was because, you know, there was, if you, if, if you were watching the news, that was one thing that was very high. People were going through depression and people were committing suicide and people were, you know, uh, spousal abuse was very high and alcoholism was very high, you know? So when you're dealing with people in those kind of situations, they're in the most crisis that you can ever be, you know? So how do you get that person from, how do you get that person from getting off the roof? How do you get that person from not wanting to, to harm themselves or harm others? You know, so I went in depth with my uh, negotiations training. Um, I, I took in as many certifications as I can once I, um, once I went to Harvard Business School because I was like, this is freaking cool. And then it turns into how can you help the masses with whatever you know? So what do I do? I wrote a book about it. Book about it. And that book was also um, somewhat like, uh, I guess, humanizing police officers. Would that be fair to say? Um, I would say, I would say, law enforcement as a whole, yes. Right, because it's, and we'll touch a little bit on that. Um, because I think, um, especially back then, law enforcement was always was. You picked up any news, uh, any uh, turn on any news station, it was they're killing us, they're destroying us, they're beating us, they're they're uh they're evil people. Mm -hmm. And and you, you know, being part of law enforcement, how does how does that make you feel? How does the department feel as a whole? Um me personally, um working working uh working on the negotiations side of things, it was just uh I felt like people were misinformed. 
um, there's a lot of people that, you know, just do not like law enforcement, you know, and then there's others that would bandwagon that. But when, uh, when everything's said and done, when something arises, that's what they call. Yes. You know, when, when something is, you know, for instance, uh, let's, let's say that the Nashville thing, right? Who came running in? You saw that video. Who came running in? Without hesitation. Everybody was running out. Who came running in? Bullets flying. Who came running in? Yeah, the difference between regular citizens is a citizens hear gunshots, they duck and run the other way. Police officers, when they're on or off duty, most of them are going to run towards that shot. On or off. Yeah, straight up. You know, because this, that's just, it's in them. You know, this is what I'm here for. I'm a public servant. And, you know, this is what I do. Yeah, and, and that, like I told you when we were talking off air, I completely respect police officers. Do I think there are some that are bad? Yeah, but there's bad in everything. You can't sit there and, you know, put them all in one, in one batch and say, oh, they're all like that. But with that being said, let me ask you this. Do you not think there is um, something like in L.A., they'll call it like the blue shield, like where a lot of times officers, even though they know that one of them did wrong, everybody else would kind of just look the other way. You think that's an issue that makes, you know, the community believe police, police officers are bad at times? Um, I can say that the way, um, the ways are changing, you know, so, you know, even learning, um, in my bachelor's program, community policing is becoming a more popular thing over time. And, you know, with whatever was happening in the in the eighties, I can't really say about that, but, right. you know, people, people lived through that and, you know, people lived through the seventies and the sixties and, you know, some people just have that, that in their mind that every, um, every agency is like that. You know, all law enforcement's like that. Things will never change. But, you know, as, as time rolls around, things change. Sure. And yeah. I think, I think they're, they're definitely changing and it's, and it's changing for the better. So, uh, what other books have you written? Um, so, I've dabbled into, uh, into those books and then I decided, hey, um, let me see what else I'm good at. So then I got into, uh, into the kids books. So, you know, I have a, a three-year-old now. He, he just turned three. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, um, so me and my wife, we decided, Hey, let's, let's try out a, a collection of kid book, kids books. So we decided to, to do that. And we wrote four kids books. And uh, I got picked up by Barnes and Nobles pretty quick. Congrats! Bro. Yeah. Congrats. What's the name of the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can give you. I can give you one um, for certain. It's uh, my mommy's a superhero. Yeah, and that was that was great. All right. Um, yeah. Now, where did the the thought of was it because of your you had your kid? Is that why you yeah. came up with that? Something yeah, you could yeah, be yeah. With them? yeah, yeah. Bedtime stories, you know, and. Um, you know, it was uh, it was her idea actually, and you know, she's a big a big reader for him. So then it turned into what if we what if we made our own? You know, instead of going, you know, you have all these ideas and you can create, you know, a bunch of stuff out of nothing. What if you did this for your, you know, for your son? And I'm like, yes. You know, there there was there was you know, that wasn't a no. There was no no in the air. You know now what kind of father is carmelo i don't know um i'm just dad that's it i'm the i'm the i'm the guy that comes home from work from whatever i'm doing and uh my little guy comes looking for me that's you know cool. that you know that my wife calls and it's like he still won't go to sleep can you come home and rock him to bed and <laughs> like, yeah beautiful. and i'm that guy and then I'm also the same guy that my wife comes downstairs at two o'clock in the morning. Is like, are you are you guys really eating a bowl of cereal? <laughs> and and you know I would tell her like, hey, don't don't judge me, you know. And and you got my son. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What daddy said, you know. <laughs> That's dope. <laughs> I'm that guy, you know. That's dope. So through through all those struggles and all the trials and tribulations you got through, man, it looks like uh, you're in a pretty good place in life right now, Carmelo. Yes, I, I, I'm blessed. I am blessed and, you know, I'm grateful for everything. That's where I'm at right now. 
And uh, what kind of message uh, do you, you know, like to portray to people or, or give out to people by writing all these books and, and doing podcasts like these? Um, I would say, you know, chase after your dreams. You know, don't stop. Um, I know that there's moments and there's trials and tribulations that, that people do go through. But um, you, know, you still got to gotta try to push through that because you never know what's on the other end, you know, and there's going to be ups and downs in your road. Sure. There's going to be ups and downs in everybody's road, you know, but if you have an end game and if you stick to, you know, what you really want to do, you're going to get there. Right. You're going to get there. I promise. Now, what is your end game? What is the legacy that you want to leave behind? And, uh, you know, what's your, what's a, a big goal of yours that you want to hit here in the next few years? Other than being on the American Troll podcast. I want oh, to go right after that. Absolutely. Days. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I, I came, I came out here for this. That's right. But I appreciate I came that, out here man. for this. For sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I've been filming on a, on another movie for the past couple of days and I came out here for this one and now I'm going back out there to the set. So, you know, you guys really do have a voice Thank and you, it's, and it's amazing. You. It's amazing. I love it. But, um, I would say I want to get to 100 books. I want to write 100 books, and then we'll see where that goes. But um, moreover, um, I'm dabbling into film. I'm dabbling into uh, a TV series, which is actually working out very, very well. We just did a, uh, a show at the horror convention. We shot the trailer. Okay. Great great feedback people loved it you know so now something that was uh a maybe was a, a hard yes that's a tv series yeah what, what's a can you say that any oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah so it's called haunted or not okay right um the premiere is going to be in june and what it basically is it's um it's me and myself um i i'm not a big believer in um and like the paranormal, I'm really not, you know, I feel like there's always uh, a reason behind anything that happens, okay. but the rest of my team, they are big believers in the, the spiritual world and, and paranormal. And some of them are just scared of being scared. So if you bring in the collection of people with all of these characteristics and personalities you get one guy that's calling out all of the bs that's you while you get <laughs> while you get a uh you know you get a pretty face on the screen that's like why am i here and then uh we had we have a, a spiritual medium and she gives her insights and then we have a a military tracker and his main job is to um to run down the trails run down the paths um I do a full uh, investigation on um, on the location that we are on, and then uh, we I cast out a few uh, few extras as background that has no idea what's going on, <laughs> and it's great because uh, I'm uh, yeah yeah so you know a little it sounds bit, like a real good balance. It's perfect, right? It's perfect because as I'm calling the BS on stuff, you have people in the background literally scared of their shadow. Yeah. Well, that's kind of how the world works. You know, there's, you know, some people see something that one way, uh, some person's over here. You're all could be in the same room and have completely different opinion of what's really going on. Oh, yeah. I love it. You know, but um, after that, you know, it was just going to be a, a one and done kind of, uh, kind of video or kind of film. And then that turned into, this needs to turn into multiple episodes. And then we start getting the calls from, from different locations. Hey, can you come here? Oh man! So now it's it's not that we're um, we're going to these venues based on hey this is a story or that's a story. No, we got people reaching out to us. That's like hey, come. I got something for you. That's yeah. dope. You, hey, you got endless endless content right there. It's it's good. You might even find your ghost. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we will see. We're still looking for you. <laughs> yeah. So how many episodes have you guys filmed so far of this show? A few, a few. Uh, I I can't really when's I can't really when, give too much. When's it coming out? Um, we're premiering um in June. But is that going to so, be a private premiere, or is it going to eventually come out on a on a platform? No, we're putting it out on a platform um at the end of June. 
and uh looking forward to yeah. seeing that yeah yeah everything's gonna be on my i'm putting everything on my instagram on my whatever social media platforms i do have oh. i'll put everything out there that's right brother well look at the camera let people know you know where your where your instagram is your youtube everything where they can find you oh yeah so uh you can find me at uh vet doc series um underscore studio on instagram um on facebook and uh carmelo rodriguez on uh on youtube and there it is people you got any any shout outs you want to give to him carmelo um let's see what time is it what time we got over here yep so kids i love you it is your bedtime <laughs> <laughs> diana remember i told you you know two years ago um we had this conversation about um making it out here and i said baby i promise you you know and give me a little bit of time and we're gonna make it out to hollywood and what did we do what did we what did we do we ended up uh taking a bunch of pictures out there um with the hollywood sign and i gave a little message to my wife and i said hey baby i told you i'm gonna do it and i'm here so now it's time to really get to work that's right brother yeah. man. good stuff well with that being said carmelo i appreciate you coming on brother this was great man you're a great humble guy i personally thank you for your service both in the military and everywhere else you work man you're doing a great service for us all man i appreciate you brother all right, all right people and we're out of here chris